needed an auctioneer, and I hired a buddy of mine who did an okay job, but I thought, you know, I could do that. As hard as politics are to, to stomach sometimes, as sportsmen, we need to be involved. We just flat need to be involved. As much as I love to hunt uh, big deer and elk, if I, if I had to pick one thing to do for the rest of my life in the outdoors, it would be to hunt predators. Whether you agree with trapping or not, trappers are an absolute critical part of the history of this country. I mean, we felt like we were calling in herds of polar bears. It was just unbelievable. You know, they just overrunning us and it was just amazing. My dad still kills a lot of coyotes. He hardly ever wears camo. He sits in front of a sagebrush and tells me the best camo is hold still. A lot of times people are going out and they're not having success on their stands because they're not calling to coyotes. They're calling to empty country. All right, folks, here we go. How many dollars? $50 now. What about an average to get 60? 60 here now, 70, 70, 80, 80, 90, 90 now. What about an average to give 100? $100, $100, $100, $100. What about an average to give 100? Hey, folks, this is John Bear, and you're listening to Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, y'all, welcome to episode 108 of Living Country in the City. All right, y'all, heading back to Hunt Expo. I got a chance to sit down with the one and only John Bear. Y'all, this guy is a wealth of knowledge, and we have an awesome time talking about predator hunting, hunting in general, and really just a lot of the battles and issues facing hunters these days. So without further ado, hope you all enjoy episode 108 with John Bear. Here we are in the uh, Sportsman's for Fish and Wildlife. Uh, I don't know, does this count as a booth? Yeah, I it's think this kind of counts as, as a booth, as a headquarters, I, I guess, for the expo. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little big to count as a, a booth, I feel yeah. like. And I'm not sure it's the right term. But here, a final day of uh, the, uh, I almost called it the wrong show again. Yeah. This is the first time, Hunting and Conservation Expo, yeah. Western Hunting Conservation Expo. Uh, I am sitting here with... The man with the golden voice. <laughs> if you if you don't recognize those buttery tones from uh, Mr. John Bear, how you doing today? Good man, <laughs> doing real good. I'm uh, I'm glad it's the last day. We've had an epic show, but uh, you know it's, it's a long weekend. It is. It makes for a long week, <laughs> and uh, you know it's so fun to see everybody and just get everybody together. And there's so many great things going on. But I tell you, after. Uh, after four or five days of this, yeah, you're ready to uh, ready to go home and get a little rest. So, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, we were just talking about, it. I, you know, I met you met you last year. You know, mm-hmm. I was and trying to figure out exactly when, but I think we were both kind of standing by the entrance here and just mm-hmm. waiting for someone or something to happen. And uh, probably complimenting you on the tux or the hat or whatever you were dressed up all fancy like. And yeah, once in a while we dress up for yeah. the auctions and stuff. So we, uh, I think, you know, we just sat and talked for. 20 minutes, yep. half an hour, whatever it was, and then I ran into you over at the Fox Pro booth later yep. and just kind of talked a few times, and 
you know, this year, you, I, I swear I've seen you every 15 minutes this Man, year. Man, it seems like we've run into each other a lot. a lot. I mean, we both get around here quite a bit and <laughs> know quite a few people. So, yeah, we run into each other a lot. But, yeah, like, I, I really had no idea who you were. You're just a, the cool guy in the cowboy hat that I talked to last year. And then suddenly, I think I was at the banquet. My friend had an extra ticket to the banquet, invited me along. And um, all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, that's my buddy up on stage right there. What's he doing? <laughs> And yeah. I and I kind of I kind of asked them about you and oh yeah you know he does all this stuff and I'm like I was just a random guy I talked to with yeah, <laughs> last well, year still just a random guy oh, yeah. yeah so yep well yeah but so uh, so how's the how's the show been it's been oh, a long man, weekend yeah, it's been and epic it's you've been, been awfully busy been very busy but you know it's been really good we have record attendance uh, record people applying for the permits out front and all the vendors are giving us good reports you know they're doing a Doing a lot of business, booking a lot of hunts, selling a lot of product, and uh, all the big social events, the banquets, the auctions, all that stuff have been great. So no complaints whatsoever. Feel like it's been a huge success. Yeah, all my all my buddies that I've been talking to that have booths out here, they just I, I walk up to them today and they they got that kind of day's look. And so how's it been going? And and they're like, man, it's been going great. And then you get the butt. I can barely stand up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, walking around being that many hours on your feet, it takes a toll on you. Oh, yeah. Well, so for those those who don't know who John Bear is, why don't you maybe give a little bit of an introduction just about yourself. And I would love to hear what really how you got started in the outdoors and hunting. Well, I, uh, a buddy of mine, I don't think he's standing around here anymore. I moved in just down the street from him. And we were actually uh, playing in a basketball league together, and he was the only one that uh, had a camo jacket on. And so I thought, i got to meet that guy, you know. <laughs> got talking to him, and uh, we started shooting archery leagues together. And he, uh, I tagged along with him to a couple meetings, public meetings, with the Utah Division of Wildlife and uh, got involved uh, with kind of the public process. Actually, eventually got on the regional advisory council for our area that helps set policy for wildlife management. Uh, after my term expired there, I was actually on the Utah Wildlife Board for six years. A lot of states have a commission. Utah has a wildlife board. I got on the Utah Wildlife Board for six years, served as chairman for a couple of years. So I've been really involved in the wildlife management part of it. Uh, got involved with SFW and the Mule Deer Foundation doing, you know, conservation projects, helping raise money. And uh, one time I uh, was chairing a banquet and I needed an auctioneer, and I hired a buddy of mine who did an okay job, but I thought, you know, <laughs> I could do that. And so this has been about, oh, 18, 19 years ago. I thought, you know, I bet I could do that. So I uh, called my dad and says, you know, I want to go to auctioneer school and learn how to do that. And they says, son, you talk too slow. I says, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So my dad called me back the next day and says, well, I'll go with you. So me and my dad went to auctioneer school together, and that first <laughs> year I maybe did two or three auctions, and it just kind of built from there. Now. I've been doing them for about 18 years. I do a ton of conservation organization uh, fundraisers, Mule Deer Foundation, Sportsman Fish and Wildlife. Uh, I do some elk banquets. I do turkey banquets. Just you know, I've just did the Wild Sheep Foundation in uh, Reno last year, and of course the Hunt Expo here. And it's just it has just grown and grown and grown. And now I spend uh, <laughs> I spend a lot of time uh, helping raise money for conservation, and that's probably where I meet most of the people. But uh, you know, that's that's where uh, people probably see me the most. But I think probably part of the work that I'm the most proud of is the time I've spent involved with the Division of Wildlife and the Wildlife Board and that working for, for conservation and, and hunter's rights and that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of involved on a couple different levels. So. Just, a, just a little bit there. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it takes, a, it takes up most of my time. Not all of it, but most of it. Well, so you have a lot of an insight into probably a lot of the – the challenges that are facing, especially here in Utah, mm-hmm. challenges that are facing hunters, the hunting community, you know, uh, our wild wild places, our, our wild creatures. What what would you say are some of the, the biggest challenges we're looking at right now? Well, uh, boy, habitat is huge. I don't know if people realize, but just the... Uh, we lose thousands of acres every year by uh, pinion juniper encroachment. Those trees grow several inches a year, drop their needles, poison the ground, and basically eat up habitat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's a huge issue. We spend a ton of money grinding up pinion juniper trees, planting shrubs and browse and grass and everything that deer and elk and antelope can eat. 
Uh, that's a problem. Winter range is a problem. I mean, uh, there's only so much land, and the population of humans keeps growing, and they all need a place to live. So we, you know, we lose a lot of ground to uh, development. That's a challenge. We try to do everything we can to protect critical habitat, of course. Uh, you know, there's always challenges with energy development. We always have uh, issues that we need to deal with with disease control, with our, especially with our bighorn sheep herds that we've dealt with here in Utah. It's been in the news a little bit. So a lot of stuff like that uh, as far as on-the-ground issues. Socially, there's always, always things to worry about. You know, the, the anti-hunter movement continues to grow every day, and I think as, as sportsmen and hunters, it's important, very important for us to be involved in a very active and aggressive yet professional way you know i think sometimes we're our worst enemy with the way we present ourselves but you know we we need to be involved in public meetings we need to work hard with our legislators with our governors to uh, make sure that we have people that are uh involved <laughs> i'm distracting see, him right that, now that's all good to make sure we have people involved to see things our way and that we'll stand up for what we want you know if you have a governor that's an anti-hunter or that doesn't believe in you know hunting rights second amendment rights they can make life really hard on you mm-hmm. really hard on you so California. it's important to be sorry I yeah, got some yeah, caught in my yeah, throat right, there for a minute right. that's exactly what i'm talking about you know we're seeing that in colorado right now they've elected a new governor that leans pretty far to the left and now they want to transplant 500 wolves in there that would be devastating to the wildlife in colorado so mm-hmm. as hard as politics are to to stomach sometimes you know as sportsmen we need to be involved we just flat need to be involved so it's tough too and and the fight is on so many different fronts it is that's that's the that's, weird thing is that is very true we as people it's so easy to you know be a single issue voter or just passionate about a single issue and you know i i'm super passionate you know i i love the guys over at bha for the work mm-hmm. they do with public lands but uh as a as a hunter i know that's their focus mm-hmm. but as a hunter i can be super passionate about public lands but i've also got to be passionate about wildlife and so you know i've also got to be passionate about my right just my right to hunt on those public lands as well and whether that's to carry a rifle to carry a bow um i mean there's so many different fronts that we get attacked on that that we have to defend and you know it's it's awesome you know you got your your rmef shield wall over here you got your bha shield wall over here but you know they need they need us to to help support and it's they're not the only ones working. Yep, you know, and and uh, like you said, the the battle is on so many fronts. If you're a, you mentioned a single issue voter. If we're a single issue sportsman, a lot mm-hmm. of times we'll we'll do ourselves some harm. We have to try to look big picture. Uh, you know, public lands is a big thing. The management of the public lands is a big thing, and that's a hot topic, really hot topic right now. You know, some people think, well, we need to leave it 100 percent up to the federal government. Well. I've dealt a lot with the federal government, and I am not a fan. And, I mean, some things they've done great on, but they're, the uh, the federal land management agencies have a lot of, you know, to be honest with you, Clinton and Obama appointees that don't really care whether you have access to hunt or fish. They just mm-hmm. don't. And uh, so you've got to work on a lot of different levels. Do we want to protect our public lands? A hundred percent. But we also need to have reasonable access. We need to be able to do habitat projects. We need to be able to do transplants, translocations, you know, do things that will help allow us to manage our herds. We can't just... uh, close all the trails and lock up the roads and just let them be what they are because yeah. sometimes we need to get in there and help things out a little bit so like you said it's a it really is a battle and uh and not a single issue uh discussion we need to look big picture and sometimes that means something that we're passionate about and we might feel strongly about we might need to set aside for the greater good i mean there's been a lot of issues when i was on the wildlife board especially where me personally it might not be my favorite way to vote but as i look across the the landscape and across the demographics of the state i knew the right thing to do was probably not what my best interest mm-hmm. was and sometimes that's tough to do but i think if uh, if we're really concerned about the wildlife and about the habitat and about our hunting heritage uh you know sometimes we all have to uh set our personal interest aside 
So what uh, you know, we talked about some of the some of the challenges, struggles that we're facing as sportsmen. Mm-hmm. Where where have you seen victories? Where you know what can we be proud of? As well, sportsmen? I can tell you, I th- uh, boy, there's a few of them here in Utah. Several years ago, we had a pretty big fight over uh, some transplants of some uh, mountain goats. And there were some pretty uh, politically active groups that don't really favor hunting at all. And they showed up in force to try to stop the transplants of these mountain goats. Uh, We was able to work hard, get it passed, and uh, now through our public meeting process this year, we actually went through and decided it's time to start hunting these mountain goats. So there's people that are going to be hunting a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity on mountain goats that we that we really had to fight really hard to put in place. Uh, there was uh, some of the wildest meetings I was ever involved in involved the crow hunt. When we put the crow hunt in place here in Utah, people just lost their marbles over that. They couldn't believe we'd shoot a crow, and then you get looking, and we were one of like three states that didn't already have a crow hunt in place. So... <laughs> Uh, I get pictures all the time of guys with crows that they went out and shot and sent me a thank you saying, you know, they appreciate the opportunity and and the work we put in to make that possible. Some of the things we've also seen some real progress in is uh, youth programs. You know, Sportsman Fish and Wildlife raises a lot of money and invests a lot of money in youth programs, first-time hunter programs where we – take uh chuckers and pheasants out and plant them in the state wildlife management areas and then uh work hard to recruit young people and first-time hunters to go out there teach them firearm safety teach them how to shoot and uh, let them get out and shoot some birds and so you know there's a lot of really good things happening there really is a lot of really good things happening i actually just went out i, I did a little bit of upland game hunting for the first time uh first time ever uh in arizona this uh, this mm-hmm. January, and I, I, you know, I was never interested in it. But after doing that, I mean, we're talking like forty-five minutes up. But we were on a different hunt, and we just we saw some quail, and we're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna pull the shotguns out of the mm-hmm. back of the truck. We're gonna switch from the bow. Um, and I never got it until I went and did that. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I get it now. And I I look at that, and I'm like, that is the perfect hunt for for youth for some introducing someone. I just I never had any interest of it because I wanted that big romantic hunt. Yep, yep. But you get so much excitement about that, so much action. That's a blast. Well, I you mean, know, it's not a boring. You hunt. know, and it, it, you're right because a lot of times wing shooting. I mean, you're sitting on pins and needles the whole time. A lot of times you get to see a great dog work. You know, anything, oh, yeah. anything that involves a good hunting dog's a lot of fun. And like you said, it's a good opportunity. A lot of times you don't have to, you know, take the kids out and hike them to death. You get them out, they get some exercise. It's a good opportunity to teach them, you know, firearm safety, and they get some shooting in. And if they miss, it's not a big deal because they're probably going to get a shoot again in a yep. few minutes. You know, and it's just <laughs> it's a great family opportunity. A lot of times, you know, there's not a lot of travel time involved. You know, it's something you can do fairly close to home. It's just it's a lot of fun. It's just – and and. There's just so many different ways we can introduce people to the outdoors, you know. And if we all like to do the exact same thing, it would be pretty crowded for whatever that thing is. And then a lot of the other resource would go to waste, you yeah. know. So, yeah, I love, to, I love to bird hunt. I just don't have enough time to do it as much as I'd like. But, you know, the first time I ever really got into bird hunting was hunting quail in Arizona with some friends. Oh, and it was you awesome. You know, I just I loved it. And uh, I, wish, uh, I wish I had time to do it more. But uh, you know, like you say, those are those are great opportunities to induce for, to introduce first time hunters and and uh, you know kids to to hunting. Well, so many of those opportunities too, they're available while you're out on your big game hunts yep. too. So you know, you bring. I mean, dep- obviously, depending on your state laws, yep. you know, like many states do not take a rifle out while you yep. are while well, you we are on a boat tag. We were uh, we were archery hunting javelina down in Arizona. That's what I was and, doing. Yeah, and then during, you know. And then when it would warm up during the day or in the middle of the afternoon when uh, maybe the hunting for javelina wasn't as good, we'd go out and make a couple yeah. quail drives, shoot some quail, and that's how we got our dinner, man. I mean, it was it was awesome. And, uh, you know, then it got to be a little competition. Of course, the buddies I was hunting with are pretty regular bird hunters, so I didn't uh, I didn't have a chance to out shoot <laughs> them guys because they were really good with a shotgun, and I'm not. But, uh, you know, it was, just, it was just fun, just another way to enjoy the outdoors and experience you know something that i don't have around where i live we don't have quail so uh, at least not very many so you know it was a lot of fun it was yeah. a lot of fun now so what <clears throat> this is uh probably a, a very broad question so interpret sure. it how however sure. you want but what 
what are you passionate about with hunting? What 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 is it about hunting that just that gets you going? Well, I grew up uh, in a little town in central Utah, Manti, just a little farm town, and uh, grew up on a sheep ranch. And we grew up absolutely absolutely hating coyotes. <laughs> I mean, we hated them buggers because they cost us a lot of money. And I mean, you'd raise your you know your show lambs up and put them out in the pasture for a we can come back and coyotes got them or something like that. So I grew up just hunting coyotes, hunting predators. Uh, we used to run lion hounds all the time, chase lions and bears. And so I love to hunt predators. And there's just something to me about hunting predators that, I mean, that's just, that's my favorite thing. That is my favorite thing to do. It's always been my favorite thing to do. And as, as much as I love to hunt uh, big deer and elk, and I've killed a couple sheep, which was amazing, if I if I had to pick one thing to do for the rest of my life in the outdoors, it'd be to hunt predators. And so, uh, my great grandpa was a trapper uh, for you know a lot of the the uh, livestock operators around, and so you know grew up trapping and uh, just enjoying that. And uh, yeah, it was that's the kind of stuff that uh, that really gets me charged up. I just you know it's kind of the old school trapper predator hunter wolfer type mm-hmm. thing that's that's kind of my gig so i'll tell you i i've recently just started developing an interest in trapping and mm-hmm. and so i'm i gotta go i gotta go take my uh, my test and yep, all that stuff yep. do my study and figure that out but uh i i just like the idea because i i also wanted to start uh i just i love hides i think they're really cool and i want to start getting into doing that and tanning hides and you know i tell you if if uh if you want to learn about an animal if you really want to learn their habits, learn their characteristics, you go out and you learn to trap because you have to figure out when they're going to be there, where they're going to be, where they're going to put that foot even, mm-hmm. and how to get them to do it. And, man, you just learn so much. Not only that, to me, it's the heritage that comes with trapping, you know, just the, the uh, I mean, it's just whether you agree with trapping or not, Trappers are an absolute critical part of the history of this country. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had a oh, huge yeah. part in the settlement of all of the country, not just the West, but back in the East. I mean, and so. Well, have you seen, uh, what's, the, what's the show there that's on Netflix right now? Frontier? Yeah. Yeah, yeah where it's just, I mean, of course, very overdramatized, yep. but I mean. Uh, all practically wars were fought over wars were fought over over furs over, I mean, over countries went to war over the fur trade over beavers oh you know mm-hmm. and uh it was yeah it's just crazy so i mean to me there's something very i don't know if i'd say nostalgic you know about trapping and that whole thing and uh, i think it's kind of becoming a lost art i love when i see young people out learning how to do it and uh kind of carrying that on because i think mm-hmm. it's it's super valuable and there's a lot of great lessons to be learned there oh yeah and it's tough because it, it's it's kind of an un pc thing mm-hmm. I, I mean hunting in general is yeah. considered yeah. an un pc yeah. thing i guess but you know even among hunters some of them just don't like the idea but i you know it's you can shoot as many coyotes as you want uh <laughs> you're still never going to make a dent in the you population. Cannot, and, you know, and that's the thing about coyotes. You have to kill 70% of them for several years to even affect the population. And even then you ain't affecting it that much. They are the most resilient animal yep. on the planet. And, I mean, they just, every year, we just shoot and shoot and shoot them buggers, and they just, seems like there's more and more <laughs> and more of them. So. I've tried, I, was talking, I was talking with someone, uh, I can't remember if it was, I, it may have been, a, I did a coyote hunt podcast mm-hmm. recently with Garrett Johnson. Uh-huh. And, uh, I think it may have been him that said, he's like, yeah, you know, if we had a nuclear holocaust, you know, they always say there'll be cockroaches left. He's like, I'd say there'd be cockroaches what, and coyotes. Yeah, that's what you've always, that's what they always say, there'll be a cockroach and a coyote left after the nuclear war, <laughs> and that'll probably be it. But yeah, old Garrett, he kills a pile of them for sure. I know him pretty well, but he does a good job. Yeah, yeah. I, I You know, down in down in Arizona, these guys, uh, these guys go hunt with down there, and they, uh, you know, I was never... No, and you know, I thought it was cool. I got nothing against hunting coyotes. I'm like, cool, something to do. But um, my buddies kind of got me into calling a little bit. Uh, they're down in uh, down Arizona, and just in between, I was down there for a muley hunt. My buddy had an antelope tag, and it was you know it was a pretty tough hunt for him. And so we sometimes we just be like, nope, we're gonna we're gonna go uh, calling some foxes and coyotes 
tonight, and they took me out for the first time, and it was a few stands, and one day then finally we called in, called in a fox and took it, you know, one shot with the shotgun, and uh, he's in my freezer now. Yep, <laughs> uh, yep, yep. He'll, 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 my first, that was my first kill, and from then on, that second on, I was like, no, it wasn't even then. That was what solidified uh-huh. it, but it was the first time I had a fox run in. Yep. I was like, holy crap. This is this is putting a challenge on elk for me right now. Yeah, it's, like you know, there's just as as much as it's as uh, I lo- like I said as much as I love to uh, to hunt big bucks and, and elk and call elk and all those kind of things to see predators respond to the call. Oh man, it's just it's a thrill, and I and it's something you know everybody I I got family members that love to call geese and ducks. It just that just really trips their trigger. But to me, you know, see those predators react. And to know you've tricked one of the smartest critters out there, oh, is, yeah. that's, a char- oh, yeah. that's a charge, man. I really enjoy it. So, Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Oh man, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hooked. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's easy to get hooked on. You know, we do a lot of different kind of predator hunting. I've recently got into uh, night hunting. I got some thermals and some night stuff, and mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. Some areas you can hunt better at night than you can at day. And we also have decoy dogs we use where we'll go out in the spring when they have dens, and you go out and get a coyote to howl, and the dog will run out through just you know a few hundred yards out there where the coyote's at, and uh, them them coyotes they don't like them domestic dogs hanging around them, and they will they'll come chase them, and the dog will run back to you. And pretty soon you got coyotes and dogs running around. You're, you know, about running you in the ground. The coyote trying to get a hold of that dog. And yeah, I've shot coyotes at four and five feet trying to get a hold of them dogs, man. Oh that's, wow, that is a rush. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. It's so fun. That's so something fun. I've had. A, I've had a lot of people tell me uh, that uh, that that have done decoy mm-hmm. dog, and they're they've they're like, you need to try this. You need to experience yeah. this one time because it's just. It's just a, a blast. You know, yeah, to watch it, it is. When it works, working. it's amazing. I mean, you got to, and people got to realize that when you, uh, you know, when you're watching on YouTube and you watch some of our Fox Bro stuff on YouTube and that, that uh, you know, you're watching the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. You're watching the highlight reel because we spend a lot of time on a lot of dry stands. A lot of times, you know, you'll call in a coyote or get a coyote going. The dog will run over the hill and you're waiting for it to all work out and <laughs> they just never come back for an hour and you don't know where the coyote went, you know. And, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dry stands and a lot of screw ups involved and uh, you know but that's all part of the learning curve. I always tell people, hey, when you're watching our YouTube stuff and our Instagram stuff, you're watching the highlight reel. Oh yeah, you're not watching the days and hours and hours and hours spent on <laughs> dry stands where we're scratching our head wondering what's going on, why isn't nothing coming in. So, you know, when people are out there learning to hunt coyotes, learning to hunt predators, you know, anything, whether they're going to hunt ducks, geese, deer, elk, whatever. You know, it flat takes a lot of time, and it just oh, takes yeah. a lot of work. Now, everybody's, you know, going to have a lucky day where they feel pretty good, where they're going to get get it figured out. But there's also a lot of days where guys that have proven they're really good and are really successful, there's a lot of days where they're just going to be sitting out there wondering what is going on, nothing's coming, nothing's oh, happening, yeah. and feel like a rookie all over again. But that's why we do it. You know, that's why we do it. Well, it's tough, and I feel like predator. I mean, feel free to correct me if I'm totally out of out of line here. I feel like with predator calling, it's almost uh, it either it either works and they're coming in and they're there, or it's you just don't see them. You know, like, yeah. Some days they just some days they just come rolling in. We hunted in Alberta this uh, this fall, and we had a couple days where I mean, those coyotes up there are huge. They're huge and they're oh, yeah. just so white. I mean, we felt like we were calling in herds of polar bears. It was just <laughs> unbelievable. You know, they just overrunning us, and it was just amazing. And then, uh, you know, a couple of days later, in the same country where you think they'd just been running you over again, they just shut down, and we were done. And we, uh, I went to Georgia, had a chance to go to Georgia here a few weeks ago with some buddies, and we hunted pigs, and we hunted coyotes. And while we were in Georgia, man, they were just running us over, having a great time, and we uh, – thought the next day all right we're gonna make a run up to virginia my buddy's like man i got some great spots in virginia 
and the coyotes would answer, and we'd go in and set up on them, and we swore to heck somebody had a call <laughs> and was messing with us that, that would answer us, but there was no coyotes because we just couldn't get them to come. And, I mean, for three nights we worked our guts out, and we saw one coyote, and that oh, was man. just – some days that's just how they are. They just shut down, and uh, mm-hmm. but I think that's why you do it. Just you're hunting for the good days. Oh yeah. And the thing that makes the good days so good is the, the bad, bad days. days. You yep. know, the bad days. You, you you try to sort through those to get to the good days. If it was all good days, you know, I don't know that we'd appreciate it as much. So. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I got hooked, and I went and uh, second I got home from that from that trip, I went and. Uh, Bought myself, uh, bought myself a little decoy, yep, uh, yep, and yep. I went and uh, dug through, dug through the old cabinet because years prior, like when I didn't know anything about hunting or, or how it worked or anything like that, I just thought, okay, got to hunt, you got to have a call for like all the animals, right? Yep, and so yep, I yep. went on Amazon and I bought old Fox Pro Spitfire. This is probably seven, eight years ago, yep. or something like that. And I had, to, I had to look, I had to look through like my order history, yep. just to see when I bought it, and. Um, I don't think I ever used it once. I don't think I ever even put batteries in it. Yep. And it just, it, I, I didn't end up going hunting. I, uh, you know, I kind of, that was the dip right before I really got yep. hooked into it. And, uh, um, so I went, I, I, it took me a while to find it both because, because of course the, the call was over here and the remote was in a completely different cupboard because why would I on nah, keep I know, stuff together? I know. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, I, I went, uh, it's funny you mention that because me and a buddy went down to compete in one of the biggest coyote contest in the country this year and i had all my stuff set up uh all of it set out we head down uh we was down in arizona hunting i get my call out and get digging through my bag and i had drove 500 miles and left my <laughs> remote sitting on the kitchen table so now luckily my partner he's a super accomplished coyote hunter too and he had you know we had a couple other calls with us so nice. we were fine but I, my favorite call i left the remote uh. on the kitchen table and so that's you know just got to roll the punches, I guess. Well, we did that. I was down uh, I, this January. We were yep. uh, hunting Havelina, mm-hmm. um, and you know, well, same thing. In between, we're we're calling, we're trying to call foxes, coyotes, and uh, my buddy, uh, my other buddy Josh, who uh, who was normally up with us, he wasn't able to come, but he texted this whole group, and he's like, "All right, guys, two of y'all, uh, the four of y'all need to split up, teams of two, and uh, three hundred bucks to whoever, whoever calls <laughs> in the most go, coyotes." There you go. And and so we go out, and we're all we're all like, "All right, we're gonna do this," you know. We we haul us out, and we get we get to our stand. We get in, and we're at this night hunt. We're doing mm-hmm. night hunting, so we got the the lights, everything. We get out there, and we set up. We're down. We're waiting. He's like, "All right," he's reaching in his bag. I'm like, "There's a lot of rustling going on right now." He's like, "I don't have the call. I don't have, I the don't have a call. I don't have the remote." And so we go through. We look through everything. We go back to the truck. We can't find it can't find we so we end up having to drive back to find it because we of course we didn't bring any hand calls yep, with us we were, we were in such a rush. so we go get my call back at the back of the house we go out all right next stand we go to set up you know we're we're thinking like okay the, they've already called in a few you know we're way behind but we're gonna give it hell so we go get my call we go out we put it out we get it ready flip it on press the button and all we hear from the calls is <laughs> like, dead batteries and i'm like and i got dead batteries so we get back to we get back to the house and uh we're sitting there we just call them we're like we're done guys we'll see you back at the house they show up we're expecting them to have be like yeah they show up they're like yeah you know uh batteries died in one of our calls <laughs> we, oh, yeah. all four of us had the same night you know that can be a painful thing for getting stuff i forgot oh, man. calls i forgot bullets before heck i've even went to some of these big auctions sometimes we do auctions you know or banquets out in these small towns and I have to carry my sound system with me, and I'll get out there, and I'll forget, like, one of my speakers or one of my cables or something like that. And it's just, uh, I tell you, that's, <laughs> you, you learn to roll with the punches. That's just the way it goes. I forgot my cordless sound system a few times, and just, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a peach of a deal. I, I went hunting one time and left my dog in a dog box on the porch thinking I would throw him in the back. I had my <laughs> mind somewhere else. I had to call home. Hey, put the dog away. I drove oh, off three man. hours and forgot him. So it's all part of the game, I guess. He was probably all excited thinking, all right, yeah, we're going to do gonna some go. work. Yeah, but he was running around the yard, and so I put him in a dog box. It was sitting on the front porch and jumped in my truck and took off, and I got out and looked in the dog box in the back of the truck didn't have no dog. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it makes you feel pretty smart when you do stuff like that. But. Uh, well, it, so say somebody wanted to start uh 
get started predator hunting. Like uh-huh. somebody that maybe doesn't have a ton of experience hunting, mm-hmm. they heard like, well, this is a good way for me to to kind of introduce myself yep. to this other stuff, you know? Because it's, I mean, you look at you can get started for nothing. You can I get mean, started pretty cheap. I mean, you can buy a used I'm shotgun walking, or yep, whatever. Yep, I you mean, got a shotgun, if you got a deer rifle, any basically any gun that'll kill a coyote, it's a good coyote gun. You know, I'm walking around here with a diaphragm clipped to my lanyard as we're <laughs> speaking. Uh, you know, you can make about any coyote sound, any distress sound with an elk diaphragm. Yep. Uh, you know, for 20 bucks, you can go down and uh, go down to Sportsman's Warehouse and buy a hand call. I mean, I killed a lot of coyotes with a hand call before I ever owned a Fox Pro. So, uh, you know, and then get on uh, get on YouTube, you know, or podcasts. Just look up Predator Podcasts and listen to guys talk and share their experiences. Get on YouTube. We do a lot of stuff with uh, Fox Pro Hunting TV on YouTube or the old Fur Taker show that we used to do on the mm-hmm. Outdoor Channel. All that stuff's on YouTube now. And you can watch some of the best Predator hunters in the country you know, just go through their stands and their setup. And the thing is, if you watch not just the sounds they make, but where they set up, you know, how they position their gun and stuff, all yep. the little things, you know, you just kind of pick up on that and then just go out and spend some time in the brush and start making noise, <laughs> you know, watch the wind, be hold still. And uh, you don't have to have all the, the fancy stuff. You just don't have to do it. My dad still kills a lot of coyotes. He hardly ever wears camo. Mm-hmm. You know, he wears a Levi jacket. He sits in front of a sagebrush and he tells me the best camo is hold still yep and uh he still uses an old wood cersei call and uh he's got a 22 250 with a couple of wood shooting sticks he put together and i tell you he is deadly he kills a lot of coyotes <laughs> and he is as old school as they come i'll tell you i'm still i'm still working on my first i almost got one i've called in a few yep called in three one uh one i had my nephew on the gun i was calling for him and we brought in one the first one we brought in I was, we were we were calling out this way. the The wind was coming straight at us. Thought we were a great setup. We were in like a next in a little river mm-hmm. riverbed kind of a thing, and uh, I guess that riverbed was blocking our wind just perfectly because we had one. All of a sudden, we hear this right above us, probably about two three feet. He's standing above us. We're right down here, and he's just looking down at the decoy, yep. wondering. Neither of us could wheel around in time to to get him. You know, he came run up. He was there for about ten seconds before we even realized that he was there, and then he was off. But uh, you know that was super exciting. Then I, I clipped one one time with the with the shotgun and um, got it jammed. Couldn't rack another one to save my life, and and she got away. Yeah, I and, wish I could say I've never uh, had that happen, but you know, and that's the that's the thing. You go out, you spend some time, you learn how to do something new, and and you're learning a way to enjoy the outdoors. You're learning mm-hmm. a way to spend time in the outdoors to hunt. That when there's not a deer and elk, or, you know, season going on. If you want to get out and go hunting, you can hunt predators whenever you want. Oh, yeah. You can hunt predators whenever you want. And so, and most of the time, you, I mean, if a lot of residents don't even require a license. Yep. Most places, you can go just about anywhere and hunt predator, especially coyote. And some are, you know, some will be listed as uh, as fur bearers. Yep. Some, some are yeah, just some be listed. Yeah, some states you have to have a, but, but you usually, just got to look at the rest. Usually the most you have to have is a, uh, you know, maybe a small game license or a yeah. license. So it's not yeah. like you're buying a $500 elk tag or anything like that. You know, it's a pretty cheap game to play. It can be It can be as expensive as you want it to be. And I'm here to tell you, for me, it has gotten insanely expensive since we started buying, you know, thermal scopes and that. But that is totally unnecessary. <laughs> if you want to, you can. But, you know, it's totally unnecessary. If you want a night hunt, you can go down to the store and buy, a, you know, a cheap spotlight, and you can go out night hunting. And yep. to get started, you don't have to have the fancy gear. I'm telling you, you know, and I do a lot with Fox Pro. I'm on their staff, and, you know, and we, we promote their stuff, and they make some great stuff. But you don't have to start with a $600 call. You yep. don't have to start yep. with a $7,000 thermal scope, you know. If you have a your 270 or your 243 deer rifle, and you can go down and buy you a hand call. You can kill coyotes, and, and uh, you know. And sometimes the the uh, the more old school your technology, the more rewarding it is. Oh yeah. Because you know it's just, uh, it. I don't know. It's just cool to sometimes take the hand calls out, and you know, in the old <laughs> guns, and just get it done that way. I'm still I'm still working on the hand calls. I, I carry them with me, and I'll try them every. Um, every time I go out, at least like one stand, I'll try, I'll try them for a while yeah. and just to practice. And I'm starting to, 
it's one of those things that's kind of once it clicks, you start you start getting it. It's like, oh, okay, and and I get how to replicate this sound now. And um, but it's it's fun because it's it's more of it. You know, the Fox Pro's Fox Pro's great. You know, you press yep. the button, it makes the sound. It, yep. You know, and you can switch them. You can do all that, but. There's something to that art of using a hand call, too. Yep, there just... is. And you know, and with the diaphragms as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on the time of year, the time of year really determines what sounds we're playing. Uh, you know, in the late fall and the winter, you know, it's a, uh, we play a lot more distress and stuff. In the spring and the summer, it's a lot more vocals and pup distress sounds and that. But the thing is, pretty much all the sounds that the Fox Pro's making, you can make on a diaphragm and a hand call. You know, we I can make almost all the coyote vocals on a diaphragm and once you learn how to do that it's you know it's pretty rewarding it's pretty fun to know how to do that (laughs) and to know when to use what sounds during the year and you know the more you the more you do it the more you'll learn you know how to howl them in it's so fun to howl in coyotes vocalize to them and uh, talk to them and have them come running in thinking there's another coyote there in their territory or something i mean it's just it's unbelievable it's a lot of fun (laughs) it's a lot of fun so now this is a totally self-serving question because i haven't been able to and it may just be one of those things I, I understand. It's it's very situational. But uh, I struggle with finding, just finding where to set up my stands. Mm-hmm. I'm You know, because I'm still learning, and a lot of that comes from experience. Well, I'll tell you, I think a lot of times, and I was in this boat for years and years, a lot of times people are going out and they're not having success on their stands because they're not calling to coyotes. They're calling to empty country. Mm-hmm. I found my success goes way up, way up. If I spend time scouting and if you go out, you drive down the roads, you're looking for tracks, you're looking for scat, you're looking for kills, you know, places where coyotes have been digging and running underneath the fences or running up and down the roads. And a lot of times we'll go out and we'll howl. Now the Fox Pro, you know, any of the electronic callers, it's got the howls and the sirens and stuff work real good. Or you can just take a diaphragm like a guy here, go out and just howl and you don't just wait a minute and see if anything answers. I mean, I'll sit there for 10 minutes. It's almost like we're making a stand. You just howl. Mm-hmm. Nothing too aggressive. You don't want to sound too rough and tough. You don't want to chase anything away. Just kind of a, you know, hey, what's going on out there type howl. And if you can get one to give away their location, it absolutely changes the game because you know where he's at. You know if you, uh, you know, you know which all of a sudden where he's at and how the wind direction comes into play. You know, if if there's a big field, if there's some open sage country, you know, you think, well, let's see, he's over here in this draw. If I move up on the edge of this sage, you know, I'm going to be within three or 400 yards of him. And then I don't have to really get too creative with, you know, because he's going to be right there. It's going to be easier to call him in. The closer you are to him, the better chance you have to call him in. Now, I ain't saying I haven't seen him come for a mile and a half, because I have. But I'm telling you, if you can close that gap, if you can crowd him a little bit, you know, you don't have to use near as many tricks out of your arsenal to get him to come in if you can get close to him to begin with. So yeah. locate, scout, and then uh, get as close as you can as you can get to where you think they're going to be when you when you now you, you can you get too close? Yes, and the closer you are, you don't got to be near as loud because they can hear you. But uh, yeah, if you can close the gap and get in, get right in their kitchen, you're going to have some exciting experiences. Well, I'm excited to give it a try. Good. I'm heading down to New Mexico tomorrow. That's good country. As, that's good country. And uh, I've, I'm going to be. I'm, I got Drew and Audad tag, mm-hmm. and I'm. Oh, gonna that's be, exciting. Uh, that's exciting. Last minute, a buddy of mine hooked me up with a, a guy that lives in the unit down there, and so I'm going to be hunting with him. He's going to mm-hmm. put me on some Audad, but he's not available for the first few days. And uh, I'm glad, boy, am I glad I packed my Fox Pro. I'm glad I packed yep, my calls, yep. my, my shotgun, my rifle, because I know what I'm going to be doing. And That's he told right, me, he's yeah. like, here, I'll send you some waypoints. Uh, I'll send you some waypoints where I know we've got coyotes. And, oh, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun week for me. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> going to be awesome, man. You're going to have a good time. So going to have a good time. Oh, yeah. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Well, one thing I always like to ask is this podcast is really 
I like to gear it towards people that may not have the background in hunting uh-huh. that, that uh, say somebody that grew up and it does, uh, you know, cause that's my passion. I'm from Los Angeles sure. uh, originally. And you know, my family was never opposed to hunting. Like they would have been fine if that's what I'd wanted to do, but we just didn't really have any background in it. Yep. It wasn't something we did. And, uh, so I would love to know if say somebody came up to you and you know, you were, you're some random guy came up and complimented your cowboy hat, mm-hmm. and you ended up talking to him out in front by the meal derby. There you go, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds familiar. And he said, you know, well, you know, this I, I've been seeing all this stuff, and it's, it's pretty cool, but I don't know if it's for me. I don't have the background in it. I, I, you know, I don't really know anyone that hunts. Uh, I, I don't think this is something I can do. What, what advice or inspiration would you kind of give that person to? You know, uh I'll tell you this. I grew up in a very pro-hunting family, but me and my dad and one of my sisters were the only ones that hunted. My mom's not a real hunter. My wife's not a real hunter. They're not opposed to it. Uh, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's do, do I like to fish? Yeah. I'm not a good fisherman. I mean, <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time fishing just because it's, it's not as much of my thing. But, uh, you know, not everybody has to like like things not everybody has to be an avid hunter but i think it's important that people understand that we have a lot of these wildlife species because we hunt them if it wasn't for hunters if it wasn't for sportsmen the the wild sheep population in utah would be all but non-existent the mountain goats would be all but non-existent the wild turkeys in utah would be all but non-existent because all that stuff is there because of sportsmen's dollars and people who want to hunt now if if you put a value on an animal, like uh, these tags we sell in here at these auctions, if you put a value on an animal, and guys can uh, you know can use a, that animal, whether it's like on our wildlife uh, cooperative wildlife management units where these ranchers can uh, can make some money guiding elk hunts, guiding deer hunts, they're going to make darn sure those deer and elk are always there. Mm-hmm. Okay, same way with the you know the the outfitters that guide bighorn sheep tags. Are the outfitters that guide, uh, you know, whitetails? Are the outfitters that guide quail? You know, that's how they make their living. So they're going to make sure those animals are always there. So do you have to actively participate in hunting? You know, absolutely not. And I and I have no ill will whatsoever. And in fact, my wife always says, you know, I I feel bad that I'm not more into hunting, you know, with you. And mm-hmm. I says, well, first off, that's okay because. Then I'd have to buy you everything I'd buy me, and it'd get real expensive, <laughs> right? And uh, as long as they understand it and understand why it's important, you know, it's maybe it's not for everybody. You know, maybe that doesn't have to be. I got, I got a, I got a daughter that she's okay with hunting, but photography's her thing. You know, photography's not my thing. So as long as we respect each other and know that not not all of us have to be into the same things, you know. But I think it's important as sportsmen that we tell our story of why hunting is important. What mm-hmm. it's done for the animals, what it's done for the landscape, because it's done a lot. It's done a lot. Now, if they don't agree with, you know, they don't think they want to go out and actually shoot an animal, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. You know, we are a product of our environment. Sometimes people have grown up in a different culture. And, uh, you know, that's totally okay. And I totally respect that. But I would... I would also hope that they would respect that, you know, hunting's my life. Mm-hmm. Hunting is my life. It's it's ingrained in every part of, of my culture, my work, all the guys I work with. You know, I'm actually my 9 to 5 during the week, I'm an electrician. All the guys I work with, when we're at work, we're talking about hunting. You know, <laughs> we're talking about hunting. And, uh, you know, it's just the way it is. And uh, when we get done with work, we're going hunting. We're going on the mountain. We're going looking at deer. We're going scouting coyotes. We're taking our dogs, our hunting dogs out running. And, uh, you know, it's it's who we are. And so, you know, no hard feelings whatsoever. Somebody says, you know, I'm just not a hunter. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that they would respect the fact that I am a hunter. And uh, I'm very passionate about it. And, uh, you know. Don't try to tell me I shouldn't hunt, and I won't try to tell you that you should hunt. Although I believe you shouldn't. If you want to, I'm more than happy to teach you how, help <laughs> you out any way I can. But if it's not your thing, I get that. Well, and what if then that person was like, well, you know, I, I see that importance, but I don't have that background. I kind of want to do it, but I don't know if I can. Well, anybody that wants to can. Anybody that wants to can. 
And, you know, uh, you know, you don't have to have crazy deep pockets to have fun hunting. A lot of kids spend every weekend hunting squirrels. A lot of spend, kids spend every weekend hunting rabbits. You know, a lot of kid people, they, they don't live where there's a lot of big game hunting, but they they get into bow fishing. You know, they go out in the canals and shoot carp. Or they, you know, they get an air rifle and they shoot Eurasian collared doves, which we're being overrun with in Utah. And there's no, no limit to what you can what you can do and there's people that will take you out teach you firearm safety help you out with you know whatever you need to know take you down to the sporting goods store and uh you know help you out there's one of our buddies right there big al morris how are you cowboy this guy this guy right here was probably my i don't know maybe my sixth or seventh ever podcast we sat down at the yeah, about two years he's, ago he's been he helped me out in the auction last night and hollered so much he lost his voice so it's kind of funny to see <laughs> <laughs> kind of kind of funny to see Big Al, but uh, not be able to talk. But he I was going to say, I don't think I have ever seen you in a state that's right, where you that's have right. been able He's to... speechless. Now, also, <laughs> he, uh, he went in and, you know, here at the Western Hunt Expo, we had the elk calling contest yesterday, and Big Al was the first official winner of the Western Hunt Expo elk calling right. pro division. So he did good. Good job. That's about the only noise he can make right now <laughs> is if he's got a... He won him a 28 Nosler and nice, a nice fancy nice. belt buckle. So, <laughs> yep. I've learned a lot from hunting with, you know, guys like Big Al that have worked in the industry forever. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from guys like my dad who just went out and hunted to fill the freezer. So, you know, and if, if somebody wants to hunt, I guarantee you they know somebody that hunts that is more than happy to take them out and, uh, you know, just help them get set up with a pair of boots. You know, you don't have to buy an expensive gun. You can buy a pretty cheap gun that does the job. Go out start shooting you know you can go to a gun store you can find a used rifle or shotgun that'll do you for do you a great job 300 bucks 300 bucks yep you could get you get started for uh you know for three or four hundred bucks go out learn make sure you're good and safe with the gun and proficient with the gun and uh, Mm -hmm. man go start it just all you got to do get out on the hill start walking up the trail and you're hunting it it ain't that hard sometimes i think we way overcomplicate it well and i think sometimes that is all you need to do to start. You you have to do it that way because you're just peeling those pieces back. You realize, okay, I can do this. Now I can try the uh, now I can try the next thing and the next thing and and there you go. Well, so if uh, if people wanted to follow along with what you're doing online or maybe uh, reach out with some questions, where uh, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me. I got Instagram. I'm at White Mountain Kerr, and it's just like it sounds. White. M-T-N-C-U-R. That's my dogs, my coyote dogs that I have are White Mountain Curs. So that's my Instagram handle is White Mountain Cur. There. And uh, on Facebook, it's just John Bear. B-A-I-R. B-A-I-R. Yep. B-A-I-R is the last name. And, uh, yeah, reach out. You know, if you got any questions, anything about the expo, anything about the auctions we have going on. You know, if you want to talk coyote hunting or hunting dogs or anything like that, reach out. I love to talk to people. And, uh, you know, of course, that's why I'm involved in a big event like this. Is it's, it's all about the wildlife, but it's all about the people. I mean, I can't imagine it without all the good people. So Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Man, I had a great time Thank you so much for having me. Been looking forward to it for a long time. It's, it's been great. Appreciate Absolutely. it very much. So Awesome. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 108 of Living Country in the City. Big thank you to John for taking the time out of the expo to sit and talk with me. Make sure you head on over to the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 108. Check out everything we talked about in today's episode. But until next time, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.